Hey everyone, it's Father Pat here today to offer you my reflections on the scripture readings for today. Our readings today are from Good Friday of the Lord's Passion. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. See, my servant shall prosper. He shall be raised high and greatly exalted. Even as many were amazed at him, so marred was his look beyond human semblance and his appearance beyond that of sons of man. So shall he startle many nations. Because of him, kings shall stand speechless. For those who have not been told shall see, those who have not heard shall ponder it. Who would believe what we have heard? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up like a sapling before him, like a shoot from the parched earth. There was in him no stately bearing to make us look at him, nor appearance that would attract us to him. He was spurned and avoided by people, a man of suffering, accustomed to infirmity, one of those from whom people hide their faces, spurned, and we held him in no esteem. Yet it was our infirmities that he bore, our sufferings that he endured, while we thought of him as stricken, as one smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our offenses, crushed for our sins. Upon him was the chastisement that makes us whole. By his stripes we were healed. We had all gone astray like sheep, each following his own way, but the Lord laid upon him the guilt of us all. Though he was harshly treated, he submitted and opened not his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter or a sheep before the shearers, he was silent and opened not his mouth. Oppressed and condemned, he was taken away. And who would have thought any more of his destiny? When he was cut off from the land of the living and smitten for the sin of his people, a grave was assigned him among the wicked, and a burial place with evildoers, though he had done no wrong nor spoken any falsehood. But the Lord was pleased to crush him in infirmity. If he gives his life as an offering for sin, he shall see his descendants in a long life and the will of the Lord shall be accomplished through him. Because of his affliction, he shall see the light in fullness of days. Through his suffering, my servant shall justify many, and their guilt he shall bear. Therefore, I will give him his portion among the great, and he shall divide the spoils with the mighty. Because he surrendered himself to death and was counted among the wicked, and he shall take away the sins of many and win pardon for their offenses. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our response. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. In you, O Lord, I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your justice, rescue me. Into your hands I commend my spirit. You will redeem me, O Lord, O faithful God. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. For all my foes, I am an object of reproach, a laughing stock to my neighbors, and a dread to my friends. They who see me abroad flee from me. I am forgotten like the unremembered dead. I am like a dish that is broken. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. But more, my trust is in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. In your hands is my destiny. Rescue me from the clutches of my enemies and my persecutors. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Let your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your kindness. Take courage and be stout-hearted, all you who hope in the Lord. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit.
from the letter to the Hebrews. Brothers and sisters, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has similarly been tested in every way, yet without sin. So let us confidently approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and to find grace for timely help. In the days when Christ was in the flesh, he offered prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered, and when he was made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Passion of Our Lord Jesus Christ According to John Jesus went out with his disciples across, across the Kidron Valley to where there was a garden, into which he and his disciples entered. Judas, his betrayer, also knew the place, because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas got a band of soldiers and guards from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and went there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, knowing everything that was going to happen to him, went out and said to them, Whom are you looking for? They answered him, Jesus the Nazarene. He said to them, I am. Judas, his betrayer, was also with them. When he said to them, I am, they turned away and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, Whom are you looking for? They said, Jesus the Nazarene. Jesus answered, I told you that I am. So if you are looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill what he had said. I have not lost any of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave, and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into, into its scabbard. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father gave me? So the band of soldiers, the tribune, and the Jewish guards seized Jesus bound him and brought him to Annas first. He was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had canceled the Jews that it was better that one man should die rather than the people. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Now the other disciple was known to the high priest, and he entered the courtyard of the high priest with Jesus. But Peter stood at the gate outside. So the other disciple, the acquaintance of the high priest, went out and spoke to the gatekeeper and brought Peter in. Then the maid who was um, who was the gatekeeper said to Peter, "You are not one of his uh, one of this man's disciples, are you?" He said, "I am not." Now the slaves and the guards were standing around a charcoal fire that they had made because it was cold, and they were warming themselves. Peter was also standing there keeping warm. The high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his doctrine. Jesus answered him. I have spoken publicly to the world. I have always taught in the synagogue or in the temple area where all the Jews gather. And in secret, I have said nothing. Why ask me? Ask those who heard me when I, what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the temple guards standing there struck Jesus and said, Is this the way you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken wrongly, testify to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing there keeping warm, and they said to him, You are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. 
one of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the one whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Didn't I see you in the garden with him? Again, Peter denied it. And immediately the cock crowed. Then they brought Jesus from Caiaphas to the praetorium. It was morning. And they themselves did not enter the praetorium in order not to be defiled, so that they could eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and said, What charge do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. At this Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews answered him, We do not have the right to execute anyone, in order that the word of Jesus might be fulfilled that he said, indicating the kind of death he would die. So Pilate went back to the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Do you say this on your own, or have others told you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom did belong to this world, my attendants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not here. So Pilate said to him, Then you are a king. Jesus said to him, You say, I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? When he had said this, he again went out to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I release one prisoner to you at Passover. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, Not this one, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a revolutionary. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him scourged, and the soldiers wove a crown out of thorns and placed it on his head and clothed him in a purple cloak. And they came to him and said, Hail, king of the Jews! And they struck him repeatedly. Once more, Pilate went out and said to them, Look, I am bringing him out to you, so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple cloak, and he said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the guards saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. Now when Pilate heard this statement, he became even more afraid, and went back into the praetorium and said to Jesus, Where are you from? Jesus did not answer him. So Pilate said to him, Do you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the power to release you, and I have the power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me if it had not been given to you from above. For this reason, the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. Consequently, Pilate tried to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release him, you are not a friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and seated him on the judge's bench in the place called Stone Pavement, in Hebrew, Gabbatha. It was preparation day for Passover, and it was about noon. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Take him away, take him away, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then he handed him over to be crucified. So they took Jesus, and carrying the cross himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, in Hebrew, Golgotha, 
When there they crucified him, along with two others, one on either side, with Jesus in the middle. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. Now many of the Jews read this inscription because it was because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but that he said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four shares, a share for each soldier. They also took his tunic, but the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top down. So they said to one another, Let's not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it will be, in order that the passage of Scripture might be fulfilled that says, They divided my garments among them, and for my vesture they cast lots. This is what the soldiers did. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary of Magdala. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple there whom he loved, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. After this, aware that everything was now finished, in order that the scripture might be fulfilled, Jesus said, I thirst. There was a vessel filled with common wine, so they put a sponge soaked in wine on a sprig of hyssop and put it up to his mouth. When Jesus had taken the wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he handed over the Spirit. Now since it was preparation day, in order that the bodies might not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath day of that week was a solemn one, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs be broken and that they be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and then of the other one, who was crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one soldier thrust his lance into his side, and immediately blood and water flowed out. An eyewitness has testified, and his testimony is true. He knows that he is speaking the truth, so that you may also come to believe. For this happened so that the scripture passage might be fulfilled. Not a bone of it will be broken. And again another passage says, They will look upon him whom they have pierced. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, a se uh, secretly a disciple of Jesus for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate if he could remove the body of Jesus, and Pilate permitted it. So he came and took his body. <clears throat> Nicodemus, the one who had first come to him at night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about 100 pounds. They took the body of Jesus and bound it with burial cloths along with the spices, according to the Jewish burial custom. Now, in the place where he had been crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb, in which no one had yet been buried. So they laid Jesus there, because of Jewish of the Jewish preparation day, for the tomb was close by. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I know everyone is over talking about the epidemic or pandemic or whatever it's properly called. I get it, believe me. At this point, we've become so used to dealing with it that we've begun to just accept that it's it's just a part of our lives and there's little use in talking about it anymore. I'm not talking about COVID-19, by the way. I'm talking about pornography. A couple of generations ago, the only way a man had access to pornography was to buy a magazine at a newsstand nowhere near where you lived or to go to a seedy movie theater in a bad part of town. 
Or you could go to a quote unquote gentleman's club with the word gentleman used loosely. And notice, I only implicate men. Women just, they didn't. They weren't going to those places. Now, just pick up your phone or your tablet, or in some cases, turn on the TV. According to the website fightthenewdrug.org, whose stated mission is, uh, it's a non-religious and non-legislative organization that exists to provide individuals the opportunity to make an informed decision regarding pornography by raising awareness on its harmful effects using only science, facts, and personal accounts. But according to that website, uh, today, porn sites receive more website traffic in the United States than Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Netflix, Pinterest, and Zoom combined. In 2018, more than 109 billion porn videos were downloaded from just one of the largest pornography websites. That's over 14 videos watched for every person on the entire planet. And remember, that's just from one of the websites. According to a nationally representative survey of U.S. teens, over 84% of 14 to 18-year-old males and 57% of 14 to 18-year-old females have viewed pornography. And for adults, an estimated 91.5% of men and 60.2% of women report that they've consumed porn in the past month. Not even a deadly virus can boast such potency. But like COVID, it's become such a part of our lives that we'd rather just not talk about it anymore. Well, it's Good Friday. So here we are, and we're going to talk about it. But my focus today is not on the sinful act in itself, but instead on the ironic distortion that leads to that act. On the surface, we're drawn to pornography in we'll call it admiration of a beautiful human body and the happiness or perceived happiness that we experience as a result. And yet what we view is an illusion. It's not real at all. The photos and film is often are often doctored by lighting, filters, and other modifications. The models themselves often have had procedures to artificially change their bodies or their appearance. The situations depicted in those films are contrived performances, at best acted and at worst compelled by force or fear. We become worshipers of someone or something that, that really doesn't exist, that is not and never was there. It's almost literally insanity. And it's one of the world's largest industries. And official pornography is just, it's really just the tip of the iceberg because celebrities have become more open in admitting that Essentially, every single one of their photos is doctored in some way. They would never want you to see them as they actually look. In an irony of ironies moment, professional celebrity, and that's what she is, professional celebrity, Kim Kardashian, recently posted yet another set of pictures in a dress that will not be found in your local Macy's. Her heavily edited and filtered seductive poses captioned, Love me for me, okay? me for me, okay? I'm not even sure she knows who she really is anymore. And the amount of time I spent picking out a new pair of eyeglasses the other day shows that I'm not totally blameless either, but love me for me, okay? Today's commemoration challenges us to see beauty in reality, even though generally we want to turn away from reality. The prophet Isaiah proclaims, see, my servant shall prosper. He shall be raised high 
and greatly exalted. But our focus then shifts to the description of that servant. Marred was his look beyond human human semblance. He was spurned and avoided by people, one of those from whom people hide their faces, spurned, and we held him in no esteem. Though he was harshly treated, he submitted and opened not his mouth, like a lamb led to the slaughter, or a sheep before the shearers. A grave was assigned him among the wicked, and a burial place with evildoers. There was nothing pretty here, no filters, no cosmetic surgery, no fantasy, just harsh reality. And yet Isaiah says he shall be raised high and greatly exalted? Why? The answer, because he was pierced for our offenses, crushed for our sins. Upon him was the chastisement that makes us whole. By his stripes, we were healed. We don't want to look at him, not only because he's ugly, but because we're looking at our ugliness, not his. And yet, that's why he's beautiful, really beautiful, so beautiful. In fact, so beautiful that the author of later the Hebrew says, from what he suffered, he was made perfect, perfectly beautiful. So beautiful, in fact, that Joseph of Arimathea and the Pharisee Nicodemus took his battered body from the cross, anointed his bruised and bloodied flesh with with aromatic oils, a hundred pounds of them, the gospel says, gently wrapped him in handmade linens, laid him in a tomb, honoring a criminal, or accused criminal, convicted criminal, with the interment of a king. When you kiss the image of his body today, kiss his wounds, especially his feet, the reality of his ugliness is the timeless beauty of our salvation. A reminder that the reality of our own salvation begins with the flawed human body we bear on our pilgrimage to the heavenly Jerusalem. Our tears today are tears of, of joy, perfected when our sorrow is real. To deny his beauty is to reject our beauty. To seek beauty and fantasy is to pursue a lie. But he does not lie. He makes you beautiful. Through him, we see beauty in the body of an aborted child and the silent agony of his wounded mother and father. We can find beauty there. Through him, we see beauty in the painted body of a sex worker and in the pain that formed her abusers. We can find beauty even there. We see beauty in the desperate and homeless addict and for the barely legal child sent to fight in a war that he does not understand. This is ugly beauty, but it's true beauty, however deeply buried by the wages of sin, but it is there, much more real than the places where our deceived and lazy souls want to look. His is the beauty that never fades. May we fix our eyes on him and never turn away so that we can seek beauty where it really can be found. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.